0: Welcome in everybody to another episode of clubhouse talk. Uh, This is an all-star week this week with the all-star game going on. And we brought on a uh, all-star guest tonight with, with one of our good friends, Sam Singer, joining us all the way out from Seattle, Washington, uh, to help us talk about some Braves baseball here in the middle of the year. Sam, how are you doing tonight?
1: Doing good, Kylie. I appreciate you having me on, man. Uh, Joe as well. Thank you guys for the opportunity. Um, been a lifelong uh, Atlanta sports fan, not just Braves, but um, diehard Atlanta Braves fan, and I, uh, I'm i happy to be on the podcast tonight.
2: Well, we're,
0: ha- we're happy to bring in another another fan, another person to, I don't know, maybe talk us off the ledge. This is going to be a pretty tough episode of, of Braves news. We'll have to see where, where our heads land of what, what on earth is going to happen over the next couple of weeks, but before we do that, we'll, we'll let Joe go ahead and, and get himself in. Joe, how are you doing tonight?
2: doing good. We're doing good. As as good as we can be on a week of of this kind of news.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, we said it in the last few episodes, we've gone to these every other weeks, and boy, the news keeps flowing in. Uh, Thankfully, in in some ways, we're pretty on top of this news as it just happened um, over the weekend. But I guess that's where we should start tonight, which is on Saturday, the the just complete misfortune. absolutely soul crushing to the Braves of uh, Ronald Cunha went up to try and catch a ball, kind of leaped, landed funny on his, on his leg and ended up being a torn right ACL, complete tear of the ligament out. He's going to be out at the end of the year. hasn't had surgery yet. We'll do that soon. And then hopefully we'll be back for next year. But I guess first question to you guys is thoughts. What went through your mind when you saw the injury, when, when you heard the news Saturday night, when it broke late, just what, where
2: are your guys' heads at? Yeah, so I was actually at a buddy's wedding of mine, who is a diehard Braves fan. Um, so I didn't actually see the injury happen. I got the ESPN update that Acuna had left the game, saw the in- injury on the, the rerun. I, I pretty much knew instantly, just based on the way he landed in the reaction that it was going to be an ACL. Uh, pretty crushing. He's, he's my favorite player on the Braves if I had to pick one. Uh, just the energy he brings to the team alongside just the incredible baseball talent that he is um, the future of, of the Braves team. I mean, we, we've, we've seen pretty much the two future superstars of our team go out with pretty significant injuries with Soroka and Alcuna. So uh, definitely crushing, definitely cemented what has been already brutal year with injuries on the Braves roster. And uh
0: Sam, what, what were
1: your thoughts there? Yeah, I actually was not. Um, I actually didn't watch it live either. Um, I actually was uh, was on the golf course, which which uh, us three have have definitely had our fair share of time on the golf course in our days. But um, I, I also saw the ESPN update and I, I saw the recap, and it was just crushing news for me. Just like Joe said, he's you know one of my favorite players on the Atlanta Braves and um just to once again reiterate what joe said like just the just the energy and the excitement that he brings and and just having him at the one spot on in our in our batting lineup i think that um you know it, every single team is on on their toes from the beginning of the game you know especially when he steps up to the plate and just what he had been able to do you know before the all star break i mean he's already he'd already hit 24 bombs and he you know, was up there in the top five, top 10, you know, most home runs in the league already 17 stolen bases already. Like he was, I think like a little, little under 300, like two eighty averageish. average ish. And, you know, like he was just, you know, tearing the cover off the baseball and anytime he makes contact, you know, you, you think it's going to go somewhere far. And so I think that that was just for all Atlanta Braves fans too. just, just devastating news. And it, it kind of, you know, takes the spirit out of um, out of the fans, and so I, I'm definitely interested in in seeing what Snicker has up his sleeve to kind of, you know, keep the momentum going for the Braves and you know try and make a run to make the playoffs. Yeah,
0: that that's the this this is the problem now. Is I mean, we were already in a situation down. You look at our lineup last year; we had uh, four silver sluggers in the first four spots of the lineup, and we're now three of them now: Acuna, Azuna, and Darno. Uh, we're getting back to Arno. Azuna's gone. Acuna's gone. So uh, that is some serious production that we have to make up for what was a fantastic offense last year. And uh, you're right, Sam, he, he does set that pace right there at the beginning of the game. Um, w- when it happened, I actually didn't see it live either. So all three of us missed it straight live. I was listening to it on the radio um, myself and I saw the, the video come out on Twitter. And when I saw Acuna was crying, uh, kind of sitting there, I was I was just like, that's that's not good. I mean, typically when you start seeing tears come from a professional athlete, that means they're they're pretty worried about the significant um uh part of their injury there and and sure enough yeah it was that torn ACL and so um you clearly can't replace the cunha um the break that's something that the Braves won't be able to do you can't make up for that production but it's gonna be a matter of how do they tread water um because the weird thing is the Braves have been Playing some of their best ball coming into this, they were starting to really the offense is clicking, the pitching's getting better, um, the bullpen has seemed to have kind of patched most of its holes, and and they were they had a chance going into that game on Sunday to get over 500 for the first time, and and I don't blame them for getting kind of wiped on Sunday. Just that was some pretty crushing news uh, to try to recover from. So they sit there one game back of 500. I believe it's four games back of the Mets as as we stand right now. So my question to you guys is. At, with everything that's happened, with Acuna now gone, and you're not getting him back for this year, do the Braves buy or do the Braves sell at the deadline? We got two two and a half weeks now till till the end of the month till the deadline of, on July 30th, and so it's this is a really really tough position.
2: Ah, uh, I I don't know if we do anything too drastic, just because I think healthy, it's still a, a viable roster going into next season. So maybe sell a little bit, but I I wouldn't. I'd hesitate to say going into full sell mode. Yeah, I completely
1: agree. I don't think that um, I uh, and I know a lot of uh, a lot of Braves fans right now might might not agree with this statement, but I still think that they're the Braves still have a really good ball club. It's just it it really hurts when you have an All Star that's that's taken away from you. But I think that um, just like Joe was saying, I don't think that we necessarily have to be you know trying to make you know. A, a, a big buyer or, or sell at this point. Um, I think that, you know, the main goal is to try and, you know, that keep that difference between us and the Mets as, as minimal as possible and, you know, try and make a big run at the end and then potentially, you know, even if we, you know, can't win the division, try and find a way to win the wild card. I think that that's our, that's, that should be the main focus going forward. And I don't think that, um, you know, we have, you know at, at the current moment i don't i don't know if a, a big buy or sell would you know would, would change what what we've just lost you know over this past weekend
0: it's they're in such a tough position because they're so far back in the wild card um it, it seems like the division is definitely the more gettable of the, of the two ways to get into the playoffs this year and you would say okay well let's see how the braves do as they come out of the break you look at the braves schedule they come out of the All-Star break. You have three games at home against the Rays. You get three games at home against the Padres. You've got four games against the Phillies. Five games against the Mets is what you have leading up to the deadline. Uh, I mean, this is this is a brutal stretch at a brutal time for when you would maybe want to say, well, let's see how they come out and do. Because, I mean, if the Braves were healthy and they came in and went two and four against the Rays and the Padres, I wouldn't be, you know gonna be alarmed but now if they go two and four it's like well once again do you buy do you sell so I, I think that the next week and a half is what the we'll have to see if they come out and they lose seven of nine if they lose 10 of 12 or whatever coming out of the break that says it right there. If they can somehow tread water and go 500 over the next couple of weeks i think that the front office is forced to have to do what me and joe have been talking about which is they're gonna have to get a bat and they have to go get a legitimate bat now to replace Zunia. Um, and then the rest of – and then you're going to have to get bullpen and and go from there pretty much. But you also can't afford to sacrifice the future for a season that seems so snake bit.
2: I was going to say kind of the same thing. The only – I would say, you know, if the option is available, go out there and try to get an outfielder because we're going to need one anyway with the Zunia being out. So, you know, you're pretty much replacing that spot. And then you move, you know, Almonte or – Heredia over into right field to replace Acuna but I would still like them if they're going to make a big move I'd like to see us move to get an outfielder I think you know, it, I don't think we can expect a full revamp of the roster at this point point. and I mean I was kind of hesitant to say we would even if Acuna was going to be healthy at the trade deadline but with him out I think I don't think it's too much of a say, stretch to say that Liberty Media is not going to put their cards on the table
0: yeah, it's, it's, I mean, and the brace, I mean, I can look at their roster a little bit. They, we don't even have that many, you know, really attractive pieces to sell because a lot of their pieces are locked up for a while. Um, they don't have a lot of the one-year guys. They can, they can move some people in the bullpen. Not um, they have that much value, but you can still try and move some of them. And the good news is, whether they're good or bad, if the right opportunity comes up for an outfield bat, I agree with Joe. You have to go ahead and get an outfield bat. Someone that's got contrapt- uh, contractual obligation passed this year because they're going to need that going forward with Zuna's never coming back. So they already know they're going to need one again next year. So why not go ahead and get them now so i having to mess with somebody in free agency? And there's a few people that could fit that, but it's a matter of how much the Braves will spend this year right now.
2: Joe, I think it's pretty minimal. I mean, I, I still like what we what I've said for a while where you hold on to Harris or Drew Waters, but not both of them. So I think if you could get rid of one of those guys and get an MLB ready outfielder, that might be kind of a accelerate the process move. But then again, they were both on the, the future stars, all-star team. So you're giving up a lot of value there for a guy, for one of those two guys that could be a year or two out from being in the league, you know, you'd hate to, to give it up. But I think if you really want to, jumpstart that and get us into contention and i think the mindset this year has to be forward looking to the the 2022 season in my opinion great
0: sam which one i'm curious of your opinion which one do you do you like more between water or harris i mean i know you're you're pretty good buddies with your water so um you might be a little impartial there but
1: yeah it, yeah i might be a little biased um I mean, obviously, I I do like Drew Waters more than Harris, but I think it's because, um, I think a lot of the the downplay of of his game and a lot of what what a lot of people talk negatively about him is that those strikeouts. Like, and you know, even though I completely agree with that, I think that, I mean, he's he's lightning fast, and you know, in the field, he has got a great arm, and and what he's been able to do just offensively. I mean, on some of the runs that he's gone in AAA, I mean, he's granted, you know, you're facing, you know, every now and then you get, you get a pitcher that, you know, isn't having a great day or is not going to really hold too much of a future in the major leagues. But sometimes, I mean, he's facing guys that are getting pulled up to these major league ball clubs, you know, the next day. And so I think that, um, you know, I think that he just has a lot to offer. You know, I, I believe that with his contract and the situation that he's in right now. And it it might be the same thing with Harris that, you know, if the Braves were to call him up in the middle of the season, then we'd obviously have to pay him uh, more money than if we were just to wait until the next year. But um, I, you know, once again, the, you know, the upside with potentially bringing one of those guys up is just, you know, giving the Braves fans some excitement again, I think just, even bringing up a new name that, you know, they haven't seen play before and, you know, giving them a shot at this point, a lot of people might say, you know, what do we have to lose? You know, because at this point we've already just lost our all-star and, you know, we need an outfielder. And, you know, if it's something that will get the Braves fans excited again, you know, I think that, um, you know, it's something that's definitely plausible, but once again, like we might, just like Joe said, we might start to gear towards, you know, looking forward to the next season. And that might not be something that we want to do right now. But just out of the two, obviously, once again, being good buddies with him and seeing the production that, you know, he he gives. You know, I have the updates. I have I have the Twitter notifications of the Gwinnett Stripers. And so, obviously, I, I see every single run that they score. And, you know, any time that, um, you know, I see Drew up there, I obviously get a little bit more excited. But, um, but I think he, you know, he gives a lot. You know a lot of different upsides. You know that the Braves could utilize, but also I think Harris is a great ball player as well too. So, um, you know, definitely a lot of, once again, like Joe was saying, a lot of value and you know upside for for both of those guys going forward in the future, regardless of if we keep both of them or not.
0: The only thing I worry about bringing up one of them is stunting growth and bringing them up too early. I mean, we kind of saw it a little bit with Pache. I mean, Pache was forced into it. There's nothing we could do. Um, and then you turn around and you look at kind of what Contreras did. Contreras came up early, and he had immediate success, a lot like how um, Pache did, and then really hit a slump, and we just had to send him back down. And you look at – if you go all the way back to um, Riley last year, he did the same thing. He got called up, and granted, when he was when he got called up, he was pretty hot and came up, did great for the first month and a half, and then he really hit a struggle. So it, I just worry that they – if they're not ready, they'll come up and they may not even get that first immediate success. And then they're going to be kind of discouraged about themselves. But if they don't make a trade and they decide to go sell road or the sell route, I absolutely think that you have to bring up one of them at minimum and go ahead and just say, all right, well, at this point, you're getting, you're getting reps in for the future. And you're seeing what, what you have in these guys.
1: Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I think that i and once again, just like, you know, this I just think that just with this unique time with the Braves and we're just in in a very unique situation with with losing Ronald like that's something that we never would have you know expected to happen and I think that you know this might just be a good unique time to do it just because you know just let Snicker and you know and you know and Alex make some moves and just kind of you know play around with things I think that once again it it, you know, it wouldn't hurt. I don't think it could hurt the Braves any more than we've already been hurt after this Saturday. Um, but, you know, once again, there's obviously a lot of logistics that, that go into that. Um, I'd also like to hear both of your opinions just on uh, Pache, just because I, 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 I believe that uh, the Braves will most likely call him back up just because it once is. again, we need outfielders. And I think that Pache is even though once again, he, struggled you know with with the bat in his hand i mean i still think just like kyler saying like it's somebody who's already had the big league experience and you know we need we're gonna need people like we can't you know just live off of um the outfield that we have right now we're gonna have to have somebody that is at, at the very minimum a backup i mean we have adrianza in the outfield who we didn't even get as an outfielder i mean we got him as an infielder and so i think that you know, one of the things that we we're gonna we're gonna have to make some form of move. It's just a matter of, you know, like we were talking earlier, are we making a some form of buy or sell? Or are we, you know, gonna call up some guys? It's just, uh, you know, but I, I definitely think that after the deadline, it'll be interesting to see what, what Snit and Alex have have in the future.
2: It's- I I think Pache is probably the most realistic option of someone to be called up. I absolutely agree. I think I think they're gonna be hesitant to throw Drew or Michael Harrison into. You know, kind of a, a tough situation, one way or another, where they're kind of just running out the clock in the season. Um, so I think Pache is probably what who's going to end up being caught up. And I think Ender's going to see a lot more starts in the outfield. Um, but I think that'll probably be the route that gets taken.
0: Maybe a platoon of Ender and, and Pache, and you're just kind of moving some pieces around left handed, right handed. Um, and go from there. I mean, it, it's definitely very uh, plausible for at least the next couple of weeks. And, and I know their immediate roster move was, uh, you know, Han Camargo uh, was the immediate roster move. I, I think that that was just, they had something for the next day. And so it'll be interesting to see what they do when they come out of the break. But like I said, maybe
2: he'll jumpstart his career again. Heck. Right.
0: You know what? I, the guy has the guys shown it before when. Uh, <laughs> against the wall and he gets a lot of playing time it can work out good so but going back to it there's that it's like that murderer's row coming right out of the break of, of the six three rays and three padres huge huge homestand um starting on, on this friday and we'll really just have to see where the rays come out and go get swept back-to-back series i, I think you have your your answer right there if they can fight with the rays and the padres and they show, you know, maybe maybe this brings the clubhouse together more. Maybe this gets the guys in a way they, they just want to do it for do it for Ronald. Do it for the guys who are healthy and, and just kind of like screw it, we we can make this work. But it, it'll be interesting to see their uh, their mindset coming out of the break.
1: Yeah, I, I think a lot of people too just, just forget about the fact that there's this guy who's played baseball for a long, really long time. His name's Freddie Freeman. <laughs> and, I, and, and he definitely has, I mean, a lot of people just have, you know, blown away the season. Once again, it's, it's so hard to replace, you know, another all, but he what Freddie. I mean, Ronald was not the only all-star, you know, that we have on our team. We have two really great guys at first and second base who have been hitting the cover off the ball lately. And so, I mean, once again, I think that once again, trying to, uh, battled the the offensive side of things when you know for the longest time we're just trying to battle pitching like we're just trying to figure out what can we do to get our pitching consistently and then all of a sudden you know we lose Ronald now we got to scramble to find an offense again I think that you know we're gonna have to rely on those guys you know that you know Freddie and Ozzie and Dansby I mean like we're gonna have to rely on the guys that you know, might get overlooked because of Ronald. But I think that, once again, like, I completely agree, Kylie. I think that you can find, you know, a little bit more motivation from this, and you can try and, you know, get something going here, uh, you know, a- after the All-Star break. um, Unfortunately, I, I watched the uh, Rays play the Mariners the other night at T-Mobile Park, and the Rays looked really good. So um, Randy Arena can-, can hit the cover off of baseball, so we're definitely going to have to find ways to – contain him. But um, all in all, I think that once again, we're going to be rebuilding, but I think that we can still get a lot, have a lot of victories from this season for sure. There's,
0: there's 87 baseball game or 77 baseball games left there. There's a long way to go. Um, but yeah, It's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, I'm trying to think of if there's much else that we want to cover here on before we move on out of the, the Ronald talk and, and everything else, I mean, outside of still the, the few names that we said the last couple of times, I'd say for if they were to go out and get a bat, you've got Mitch Hanager, uh Cattell Marte, uh, maybe Joey Gallo, although he's left he's a left-handed bat. Uh, I guess one question, where do you guys see taking over the, the leadoff spot? I think Ozzy takes it. And then I actually wouldn't be surprised if they move Freddie back down to the three hole um coming out of the break and looking at the lineup. But I guess what are your what are your guys' thoughts on the leadoff? And then do you keep Freddie at two? Do you move Freddie back down
2: to three? Um it's it's gotta be Ozzy. I, I don't think anybody else can provide the lightning leadoff other than him in the lineup. I mean, I I guess if Dansby start were to start to hit better, he would be another potential option. But I I think it's Ozzy and I think you kind of leave I I'm hesitant to say dropping Freddie down to three. I think he he hits better in that two spot. And and having Ozzy switch hit doesn't necessarily take away too much from the righty lefty deal. Um so that would be my my thoughts. Yeah, I can com-
1: I completely agree. I think you gotta go Ozzie Freddie just because Ozzy's just hot right now. And I think that he once again just can provide that energy and excitement at the one spot, but then also um, like Snicker was saying earlier in the season, when we originally moved Freddie to the two, the reason behind that was that we just got in so many situations where we got like that, you know, eight, nine, one, and then we found a way to get someone on base and then we needed someone to come up in that two spot. And we didn't necessarily have, you know, the best, you know, the best bat in hand that we, that we wanted. And so, I think that once again we're still going to run into those situations. I don't think the game plan is going to change a whole lot, but I think that, um, <clears throat> just like Joe was saying, I think Ozzy just with that excitement at one, and then Freddie to back him up at two. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of how we uh, how we rotate and you know go three, four, five. I'm interested to see what we do there. Um, but yeah, no, definitely. I, I think I don't think there's anybody else on the team right now. Um, uh, unless Dansby starts to get hot, then then maybe. But I mean, right now, Aussie for sure.
0: The only other name I've even seen considered was Orlando Arcio, but I don't even know what they're going to do with Orlando going forward and, in the situation that they're at and where he's going to play. So um, that that was the only other person I've even seen being thrown out there.
1: Yeah, and also just uh, like he he we just <clears throat> just pulled him up too, and I mean, once again, like putting kind of that pressure on a guy you know who's just just seeing the majors and, and putting him in the one spot to replace you know i mean a future hall of famer i mean that's just a that's just a really tough ask from from someone like that so uh yeah no once again i just think i think i think ozzy i think ozzy not only should he be in the one but i think he'll be able to step up to the challenge second that to see
0: where we're we're all in agreement there. So before we we get fully away from the Braves, I do want to um pivot over a little bit. Uh is this not only was this All-Star uh game week, it was also uh same weekend same week as the MLB draft this week. And so just wanted to see how much you guys uh did or didn't pay attention to to where the Braves went. Uh you know, we can kind of talk a little bit about who they selected, at least the first couple round guys. I don't think we need to go too far past the first few rounds, but First off, I mean, do you guys, how much do you guys uh, tune into the draft the last couple of days?
2: Not as much as I would have liked. I saw that we took a pitcher in the first round out of Wake Forest, I believe. Yep. Um, so Ryan Ryan Cusick. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm always big on, I'm building up the pitching because God knows we've had some guys who haven't panned out. So yeah, and um, he's a
0: former teammate of the guy that we took last year in um, with our first round pick as well. We that's back to back years we've taken Wake Wake Forest pitchers in the first round. Um, Ryan said. An interesting guy he's a pretty tall guy he's 66 225 um, right-handed pitcher uh, has a lot of has a lot of power with his fastball I mean he's he's hit uh, he's touched over a hundred before so I, I think their immediate talks at least what I've seen is that doing and uh, having him as a bullpen guy to start off with and then maybe stretching him out later on but just because of where our organizational need is we can get him up into the pen quick. I mean, and maybe potential September legitimately. I mean, there were there were guys drafted. There was a guy at Tennessee last year that was drafted by the White Sox, and by the end of the season, he was pitching for them. Uh, they're they're down a stretch run in September, so there's potential for that when the rosters expand. But legitimately, I, I think we could see him next year or the year after in the bullpen.
2: Yeah, I agree. I hope we don't yeah, no, try to roster it and let him develop his stuff a little bit. I like the mentality to keep him in the bullpen a little bit. I think we we played Kyle Wright wrong, and I, I honestly – I was, I was going to say this earlier, but um, I think Kyle Wright might be a guy who we, we might ship at the trade deadline potentially just because I don't think it's, it's working out with us, unfortunately. So it could be a breath of fresh air for him, and I think he's still got some value. So um, maybe save his career and save the value that he has.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that Kyle Wright point, but um, also just kind of with the draft, I actually, I actually paid a a good bit of attention to it. Um, I I actually really enjoyed um, what we did. And honestly, if, if this Ronald injury didn't happen, I mean, I honestly would have said that we, we did a fantastic job. Um, We, we definitely went, you know, we prioritized pitching. Um, I think that, you know, like, like, uh, you know, I I think I heard a podcast or or something earlier in the week talking about the Braves and how, you know, out of like the 10 pitchers that we drafted, like four or six, five or taller. So like Kylie was saying earlier there, I mean, we've got some, we've got some beasts coming in and I know this Ryan Cusick, I mean, he was dominant at Wake Forest and he, he clocks, you know, over a hundred with his fastball. I mean, and then we we got, uh, I believe his name is Spencer Schwellenbach from Nebraska. Yeah. And he, um, in the the second round
0: too. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a really interesting guy.
1: Yeah, he is an interesting guy. And he clocks, you know, around 99. And so I think that, um, the Braves are getting, you know, some types of pitchers that not only are, you know, dominating on the collegiate level, but just guys that we haven't seen. I mean, like our, uh, our ace you know Ian Anderson he is a guy that touches 95 I mean and that's all he's gonna but he's just locating I mean and he is you know as of now he is our ace and I mean I think that we're bringing in a lot of great talent that you know we're gonna get to see some different types of pitching we've never really had a guy who could throw a 101 mile an hour fastball and so I think that once again if we yeah yeah exactly so I mean if If we can, if we can develop, you know, these guys, you know, like you and Joe were talking about earlier, I think that, uh, you know, we could, we could have some really good talent in the bullpen, especially when my goodness, when we could just get healthy. I mean, if we could have all of our pitching rotation healthy at one time, I mean, we could do some serious damage, especially with these young guys coming in. And um, obviously when, when Ronald gets healthy and and we have our, our batting lineup back to normal, I mean, we can be a powerhouse.
0: Yeah, so going back to Schwallenbach, he's a he's a, both a shortstop and a pitcher out of Nebraska. Um, really, really interesting guy. Kind of uh, a lot of Angleton Simmons feels of, of someone that, you know, the Braves drafted as both a shortstop and pitcher. And a lot of people wanted him as a pitcher. And he talked the Braves into letting him hit, and I think it worked out pretty good for him. Uh, and then they had – they got Dylan Dodd out of the Southeast Missouri State in round three. They got Cal Conley. Shortstop, uh, round four out of Texas Tech, who absolutely raked um, this past year. He hit I think three thirty um, and fifteen bombs, which is insane. Um, facing some pretty good pitching there, out of the uh, yeah. there in the Big Twelve. And then they had a couple of uh, infielders at Georgia Tech, a shortstop, a third baseman, a couple of high school players at Texas. So I, I think it was a I think it was a really good, well-rounded draft. Um, they're going to be able to get all these guys signed. So uh, just because with some of the college guys, you can pay a little bit less for them. And then you can pay a little bit more on the high school guys. And I think they're going to be able to get everybody. So I think overall, I I give it a very, very good job.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you, I think I give it probably on a, on a grade scale. I think, I mean, I'd give it a solid, solid B plus. and, And honestly for the Braves, I think I'd give it an A plus just because, you really don't need, you know, to go get, you know, another Dansby Swanson right now. Like you don't need to go uh, go get a really big first, first round draft pick. We're, we're prioritizing what we need and we stuck with the game plan, even though we just had Ronald, you know, Ronald having his injury. I think we stuck with the game plan that we need to prioritize pitching and get to be a dominant force in the national league on that side of the ball. And then, once again, just continue to have faith in the guys, you know, with the bats in their hand, you know, the, the guys that we have and, you know, hopefully um, some, some new guys, hopefully coming up next year.
0: You can never have enough pitching. Uh, go ask the, 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 the LA angels. I mean, they just took 20 pitchers in all 20 rounds uh, of this year's draft. So clearly they, they think that you need a whole lot of pitching and, and that's because just not everyone's going to pan out. So I think 20, you know, 20 is a bit extreme, but I also don't know their, uh, their farm system as well as our own. So. Um, that kind of puts a wrap on the, on the draft and the Braves, I think for now. So the, the other big topic that I know we wanted to get you on Sam, because you're as much of a golf nut as me and Joe are, and is that this is, this is the last major of the year. It's the last major of this quote, super season. If you want to go back to, to last year in 2020, where, where we started with the U S open had the masters, and then you had this year's four majors. So, it's kind of like a year six majors in a sense, um, or at least with six majors in the calendar year. And this is the very last one. We go back to the Open Championship over at Royal St. George's, um, and we, it's a this is a really fun one. I don't know about you guys, but the Open Championship so different, so unique. Uh, you get to watch it in the morning. It just feels completely different. The type of the style of golf's different. The weather's different.
2: I, I love this tournament. Yeah, outside of Augusta, I think. I think the British Open's probably the most exciting to watch. Um, St. George's, one of those historic open sites. Um, I actually saw a pretty cool ...won The British Open at St. George's, his winning purse was 30 euro. Um, the last person, Darren Clark, was 900,000 euro. So, pretty cool little, little stat there.
0: It's definitely gone up a lot.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Golf is a. Uh, expanded and I think you cut out a currency. little bit. Who
0: was the who was the first winner at St. George's?
2: Uh, he wasn't the first, but going back to Harry Varden.
0: Okay, Harry Varden. Gotcha. Sam, what are your thoughts on the open?
2: Yeah, I
1: think it's um I think it's an interesting it's an interesting tournament and it's uh you know being one of the last majors this year it's it's kind of you you get a chance to see, you know, who's still playing really good major golf and it's just so exciting that like you were saying Kylie the the fact that you get to watch it in the morning and it's just kind of a different feel of of a golf tournament I I really enjoy watching it and also I think that um there are so many different types of rounds I mean you go back to you know on this course at least you go back to like you know like 2010 when Rory you know shot like what was it I think he shot like 63 and then shot 80 or like or shot maybe like 80 and then 63 I mean it's such a unique golf course, especially with the weather conditions and sometimes how windy it can get. I mean, you can have guys that can go really low or also you can see, you know, some of the best golfers in the world play like, you know, us out there at Eagle Watch. I mean, it's uh, it's something that, um, it, it's just once again, an awesome major to watch. And I think it's just another great testament of who's really playing good golf. And, and um, I, I definitely am excited to talk about you know, who you guys think uh, who's going to take this one.
2: I'm going to make a bold prediction. I think Ricky Fowler goes out there and plays well. I don't think he wins, (laughs) but I think it it looks more like the Ricky of old.
0: Hey, he finished. I like uh, that. He finished T5 here in 2011 at Royal St. George's. and he
2: It sets up very well for him.
0: He's had a history of playing really well in in the Open Championship. He's had a lot of really good finishes across the pond.
2: He's got a runner up there as well. I can't remember what course it was, but it, it was the uh, the year Rory won. Um, him and Sergio tied for second. But, yeah, he's got a game that, that suits British Open. Obviously, he doesn't have the the form the last two seasons to really make himself a, a big talk coming into it, like he'd been for pretty much a decade. But that's my, uh, my hot he played, take.
0: He played well at the PGA. I mean, we can see if he can back up a major performance because obviously he wasn't at the U.S. Open um, See so if you can back it up over here. It's going to be an interesting week. It, I think it's – uh for, for those watching, it might be a little bit different looking in terms of from what American sports have looked like just because England is is in a little bit more of a lockdown mode due to COVID protocols. Um, it's going to be a lot tougher on the players this week. They, they can't go out to restaurants. Um, they can't stay in houses with each other. A lot of – you can't go to the grocery store even. It, it sounds a lot like overkill, but I was listening to a good interview today with the head of the RNA, which, which is uh, he, came, he gave the reasoning behind all that, which is basically the players in, in England right now, the, the way the uh, community standards are, if, you te- if you're within close contact tracing someone who tests positive, you can't test out of um, quarantine. You have to just automatically quarantine for 10 days so they didn't want players staying with each other God forbid somebody gets COVID and then everybody in that house is then out of the tournament for the week. So they're they're kind of doing it, I guess, a little bit for the players just, so everyone has the best chance to finish the tournament this week, which is which led to a lot of the the withdrawals. I mean, we saw people that have tested positive and and people who have been in close contact tracing that there have been a lot of WDs coming into this. Um Hideki Matsuyama, Sung J M, Kevin Na, uh, Matthew Wolf, Si Kim, Sung J and Siwoo have pulled out for the for the Olympics, that's a little bit different. Um, Bubba Watson was somebody who had to pull up because he was in close contact. Zach Johnson, uh, he I think he was in close contact with somebody or he tested positive. So uh, Matthew Wolf t- uh, a lot of a lot of big names.
1: Yeah, I think that <clears throat> I think that Bubba actually potentially might have tested positive or something. I think I might have saw an article about he had the vaccine and he still might have tested positive or or something like that. Yeah. um, He was
0: vaccinated and the person he was with um, near is what it was. He didn't meet England's uh, protocols.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, just once again, like just a lot of, you know, big names that you wouldn't mind seeing on the leaderboard, you know, just to make things more exciting. And I think that it's, you know, once again, very unfortunate. Um, But I think that, Thankfully, we still have a great field. But one of the guys that I'm going to miss in the British Open is Matthew Wolf, just because I think that he's been playing some really good golf lately. And I, I was really upset just because he got so um, off to such a hot start in the U.S. Open. Um, and then, you know, c- couldn't really, you know, keep it together over the next couple rounds. But, um, you know, once again, those those young guys and, and some of those um, people who WD'd, I think that, you know, they're just a great, great asset to the game. And I think that, uh, you know, they're exciting people to see on the leaderboard regardless.
0: Some of those guys are pretty – Bubba's pretty good at playing in, in the wind. Zach Johnson's definitely pretty good at playing in the wind. I'm pretty sure that had some, some good uh, rounds over there in the Open Championships. I mean, these are guys that, that have competed well. And, and playing link-style golf is – like we said, it's very different. You've got to be able to keep the ball down. You've got to be able to – um, the, the greens are a lot slower. So that's, that's a difficult, uh, some difficult in itself with just very different green speeds. Uh, you've got to be a lot more creative and in a place like rural St. George's where there's a whole lot of luck involved of where the ball bounces, uh, what happens for you. It can take some patience. To play this
1: yeah, no, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think it's a, it's, it's 100% a, a different tournament. Um, and it definitely tests every single golfer out there, so I think it's it's definitely going to be something uh, fun to watch. But um, who, who you got for, for this big major, Mister Morrison?
0: Um, that's a that's a great question. I've been uh, pretty terrible at these picks when, uh, <laughs> when me and Joe have been doing these for the first three majors. But you know what? We're gonna keep we're gonna keep taking our shots, and we're gonna keep thinking. Um, I, I guess if I had to say one thing, I really think it's going to be a European. I I was looking at the board earlier today looking at the names and I was just like, there's not a lot of Americans that I really like up there. Um, If I'm taking an American, I think it's Thomas. I think he played really well in the Scottish open last week. Um, I think he's someone that can play well. And obviously if he gets, he's creative enough, he's got the short game for it. And if he can get his butter rolling, then he absolutely can win. And then if I, if I'm taking somebody in general, um, I mean, there's so many really good options, but let's see. Uh, Fitzpatrick played great last week. Um, I think it's good. I think Rom will play great. I don't think Rom goes back to back. So I guess if I had to choose another one, give me give me Fitzpatrick to get it done this week and bring it home for England.
1: I have. Wow, I'm I have actually to choose a uh, European. I've actually played his home course um, in Sheffield, England. Put re- Make sure to mark that down because I have played uh, the, the Hallamshire course out of Sheffield, England, which is Matthew Fitzpatrick's home course. And I can tell you right now, there's it, it's link style and there's a lot of wind. So I definitely don't dislike that pick. I think that that's a – that's definitely a a good pick, especially if you're a betting man. Um, but for my picks this week, which, which once again, we obviously will discuss later whether there'll be a side bet or not, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) but I have, I have, so I have my act, my, my two picks who I think are going to take it. And then I have my two people who I want to win it. Um, the, the two, the two guys who I think just, uh, from the from from the US and and I know that a lot of people you know may not like this may, you know may just um, think that that I'm doing it just because of all the beef that has still been going on between him and DeChambeau, but I really like Brooks Kepka a lot just because regardless of the situation that he's in I mean his consistency in majors and the like the things that he's been able to do when he's not 100% healthy I think have been remarkable. And I think that just because he hasn't like won these big majors recently that, you know, people are downplaying him. but I mean, like people forget about kind of the situation that he's been in, I mean, coming off of surgery and, and everything like that. And so I I really like Brooks this weekend, just because he, his ability to play well in majors, but also I am calling, this is, this is a bold one, even though his odds are, are the best, I think that, uh, I think John Robb does it. I think think he he goes goes back to back. I think he goes back to back. I think that after what I watched in the last major, I mean, he or in the last tournament, excuse me, he is striking the golf ball better than anybody on tour right now. I mean, it is absolutely unbelievable. It's been unbelievable golf to watch. And just with, once again, the things, and also just the things he can do on the, around the, on and around the greens has been phenomenal. Some of the putts that he's made, I'm like, this guy really just doesn't deserve to lose. Um, But, but, uh, but those, those two guys, I, I like if I was, if I was putting money on it, but the two people who I really would want to win, I would love to see Xander Shoffley in the winning circle. I know that there are a lot of people who are fans of him and And what, uh, unfortunately, his what what he did at the Masters was just so so upsetting to me. Just because I'm a big Xander fan, Um, but I I think that he has one of the most beautiful swings on tour, and once again, he's just such a great ball striker, and um, his tempo is so great. And I think that once again, if he can figure out how to play this golf course well, you know, he he can battle with the best of them, and then also Rory McIlroy. I'd love to see. Um, I know that he's won it before and I think that he has an advantage over some of, some of these U S guys that are, that are coming over that may not have, you know, played these types of courses or dealt with these conditions. And I think he's done it before and he can do it again. And also just to see him back in the winning circle would be something that I'd truly enjoy to watch. And so, um, those are my those are my betting picks, and then then who also I I would I would love to see in the winner's circle as well. Yeah, Rory,
0: I, I would absolutely love to see it too. If we're seeing Rory get back and winning a major would be um, incredible. Uh, Brooks, I think a lot of people forget that he pl- spent some time on the European tour before he ever came over the PGA tour, so he's placed a lot more uh, link style golf than a lot of other Americans. Hence, why he plays so well over here and plays so well in majors in general. Um, So it's really hard to go against that one. And then Xander, it's just, man, I guess he's just burnt me so many times.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I I don't want to trust him. Um, It's like the inconsistent consistency is what it is. So it's, it's it's the consistency and the ability to place so high in all these tournaments, but the inconsistency to be able to get it done. It just is, oh my gosh, he's such a, and also, I've heard he's just such a great guy, too, and it, it, he'd be one of those guys that I'd love to see do it this weekend. But I do have a reason why to not pick him, which is he was just married, and there
0: is no way he is being able to focus. These guys <laughs> never play well, which is why I want to have a friendly wager with you that Thomas finishes higher than Xander this
1: week. Oh, gosh. But, but JT just played so well, too. Like, that uh, – I mean – we will discuss this uh, at a later time <laughs> and I, I will, de- I definitely need some time to ponder over it, but I could, I could see myself getting myself into a friendly wager. I wouldn't mind it. Um, but once again, super excited for that golf tournament. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome to watch.
0: Um, Yeah, it is going to be great. So I think that there's a lot of names down the board. I think Ian Poulter is a really, per- really far down the board guy. that. No one's talking about, God, he has played some really, really good golf lately. And if he got it done, I I can tell you right now, I wouldn't be surprised if he won this week. I genuinely would not
1: be surprised. Oh, he, I mean, well, he's just, I, I, I'm i not, I'm not the bit, and I'm not even the biggest Ian Poulter fan, but I can't deny the fact that he's been playing fantastic golf. And, and honestly, the, the only reason as to why, you know, I, I just like him every now and then is just because. I mean, if you give the guy a match play event, I mean, it's like he turns on some crazy, you know, magic that just gives him the ability to be anyone in the in a match. I mean, he a mat in a match play format, Ian Poulter is is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, he turns something some switch on that just puts him into full gear. But um, I 100 I, I agree. I mean, I there are a lot of no name guys that everybody obviously makes their waiters at the beginning. And, you know, the, the two guys that I have up there that I would put my money on once again, are, are guys that have some of the best odds, but you know, don't, don't be surprised if there are some uh, you know, some guys that people don't expect at the top of the leaderboard. And that's, that's once again, what makes, what makes the sport of golf so fun is you just really never know.
0: And Smith, another guy I think he could play really, really well this week. Um, I don't know if he gets it done, but the guy, the guy can just pop. He keeps
1: guess. the ball low.
0: Oh, yeah, he does. He, Keep, he
1: keeps, the ball, the ball. keeps the ball low and can hit it a mile.
0: She'll, you'll need to do so. I think it's going to be a lot of someone who is – I do think it's a veteran, though, someone who's got the patience to wait it out, understand they're going to get bad breaks, um, is, is kind of the way I see it going down. Um, we, we did lose Joe due to uh, some connectivity issues and in internet issues, so we apologize for that. But he has given me his picks, so – we'll we'll see where where he stands in in your head um he must he must listen to you or must have talked to you before this because the first name he gave me is xander shoffley Uh, (laughs) there you go there's two of us uh on this podcast that think xander's gonna play well and personally i i don't see it i think he's gonna be a little distracted um Maybe, like I said, maybe it's just because he's burned me before.
1: But oh, Hey, or after he just got married, maybe he's more relaxed than he's ever been, and he goes out and shoots 63 every day. You never I, know.
0: Um, let's see. Next up is <laughs> Joe's favorite. He t- tried to bring this back to the U.S. Open last time. Didn't work for him. He's going to go for it again here, and that's Lee Westwood. Um, Lee
1: Westwood.
0: Just to, I think Lee played here. I assume he would have played here in 2011. Let's take a look at the board here, see where he, where he finished. If he finished anywhere good, I'm scrolling and I'm not seeing him anywhere near top fifty.
1: A, missed, a, I mean, the on, honestly, excluding he the did past, miss the cut that year. Excluding the past, the most recent U.S. Open when Phil won, which by by the way, uh, heard heard your guys' podcast on that and just. I mean, just could never, I mean, I, 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 it was awesome. Like that was an incredible experience to see him win the U.S. Open, but Lee Westwood is, I mean, like, he's really the Phil Mickelson of, of the rest of the world. Like he has just more second place finishes than, than, <laughs> than literally anyone. And, and that's why once again, like, could I see him, you know, having the experience over other guys and, you know, doing a top 10 finish. Absolutely. But just, Oh, like if he's just one of those guys that it's almost like you want him to win, like, because you do want to win. Everyone would pull him for him. Yeah, absolutely. Unless it was, unless it was Phil Bursley Westwood, then I would have to go Phil obviously. But I mean, you know, once again, he he's, he's a great, still a great, great golfer. And he's, he's built, just I mean he is just such a big dude such a big presence and he has so much experience over some of these younger guys and he you know get that gives him the ability to do some things with the golf ball that other people can't do and so once again I could I could see it Joe I could see it and then last up for him is Paul Casey which I
0: think is kind of the same mindset as uh as me I'm one of these pretty well in their prime you know English men that I can guarantee you played the course and, and someone who can Play well. Paul Casey hasn't, has never won a major either. So we're picking a lot of people on these lists that, that have not won majors, which is really hard to, it's
1: not easy to close these things out. I was about to say, you'd win a lot of money if, you, if you were able to hit on one of these predictions. Yeah. Absolutely. But, uh, but I, I think that Paul Casey is a great guy too. I think that, I think that he's Mr. Consistency, to be quite honest. I mean, he, he's been able to do some great things in the in tournaments of this past year and I think that uh you know all of those picks Joe I'm I'm not disagreeing with you buddy I know you're not on anymore but I'm not disagreeing I just uh you know I have other picks in mind but I think that once again Paul Casey Lee Westwood and then obviously Xander I'm with you on Xander so um all, all great picks uh, I mean, we'll be interested. Like I said, I'll be really interested to see how this
0: week pays out. Uh, plays out. Love, love being able to wake up in the morning. Um, maybe stay up a little bit late at night. See those. See the first tee shot early, early Thursday morning here uh, in the U.S. I think it'll come on at, at like one o'clock Eastern in the morning, so I gotta stay up late. But it's always a blast being able to do that. I remember it, it, sitting there in, in time for the summer in high school, being able to uh, to watch you know, stay up for my friends all night watching. watching and
1: being up, to, being up at four in the morning, watching. Oh golf. yeah. Yeah. And and the, we, I know, know the we've done it. The
0: round. Oh yeah. I know we've done it. A, a stay up to watch it. And then maybe take a little two hour power nap or something. And, and, and then get back up when the stars start going off. So I do encourage everybody to take a look. I, I, I like Joe's pick of Ricky though, earlier on someone who could play well. So finishing top 15, top 20, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Ricky do that. it just, just looking at some of his uh, his past history at, at Open Championships.
1: Yeah, I mean Ricky's just uh, he's just one of those guys. Like he's like kind of like the old Xander Shoffley. Like he's, I mean he's just kind of one of those guys. Or like you were saying earlier, I just don't know if I'm, just, I've just gotten burnt so many times. Like I've just been pulling for him so hard, and he hasn't been able to get the job done. But once again, I'm a, I'm a huge Ricky Fowler fan. I I haven't met a whole lot of people that aren't. Fans of rookie, and um, once again, I think he's a great golfer too. And and he can step up and play in any of these big tournaments. I, I hope that even if he doesn't win, I hope that he can um string together a couple good rounds because I, I think he definitely deserves it. After uh, after the the couple tournaments that I, I truly believe he deserved to win, that he wasn't able to get the job done.
0: Well, I I do, I, I cannot disagree, uh, disagree with you at all on anything you said. I I guess if I had to say a kind of a shocking pick that I would have, I don't see Bryson playing very well this week. I still think some of his, uh, I still think some of his his caddy, changes yeah. are going to be messing with him. I, I don't think his head's in the right space. And then looking at some of the other names here at the top that I, I, don't think he's I well, DJ, I, I can't get a read on what DJ is going to do. He finished second here, by the way, when they played in 2011. I have no clue what DJ is going to do. This week,
1: but. I mean, I, I, I agree with with the Bryson comment. I think that Bryson is, uh, with just with his caddy situation going on, and um, you know, he his his, uh, and, and as well as the U.S. Open performance, just was not obviously what we've been seeing, you know, of of recent this year. And I think that obviously there's something going going on with with that situation so I don't I don't have him um in my in my I don't even have him really placing top 10 I I, I don't know if he's gonna be able to show out but um you know I, also another good question is is uh a lot of people with with all of the all the beef going on with with Brooks and Bryson a lot of people aren't big Deshambo fans and and a lot of people have been fans of Deshambo, and then after all this stuff has happened have have turned away. I'd love to hear your thoughts on just Bryson as a person, as well as a golfer. And, you know, are you a Bryson fan? Or are you kind of in the middle or.
0: I'm I'm on team Brooksy. So. I
1: yeah. <laughs> team Brooksy,
0: yeah. I, I think that Bryson's just a bit much for me. I, I love, I think his antics go a little bit too far. I, I think it's just kind of like, a, like in a sense, kind of like an annoying little brother, maybe in, in that kind of mindset, but. I don't, I don't don't vibe with, with Bryson as much as I do with Brooks. I think Brooks is a lot more, a lot more entertaining. So I, I stick with Brooks.
1: Yeah. I think that, I think that one of the things that I like about Bryson was the fact that he was being one of those guys who was trying to change the game. He was trying to do something different. And, and from that, I really, really respect because he truly was doing something different. And um, you know, when people were saying that, that, wasn't a talent like and he was saying you know I disagree like I think it is a talent like I I 100% think it's a talent I think what he's been able to to do on the golf course and and kind of change the scope of how people look at the game I think that in that sense it's been very impressive but just yeah once again some of the off course antics with Brooks recently and just you know some of the some of the things that he's done off the course um, you know just personality wise once again I, I I like Brooks. I'm Team Brooksy as well, but um, I definitely try not to downplay, you know, what deshambeau has been able to do over the past year.
0: No, I mean what he's done since quarantine hit, and what he's done for the game, and really going back to what he what he's done with a lot of his uh, science of the game. It's definitely it, it's a new way of thinking. It's it's refreshing to see something new. Um, I, I I don't downplay, it and I also don't downplay how good of a call for he is either.
1: So. yeah no absolutely and he can oh my gosh and he can putt the ball too man he can really putt the ball I mean he he might go through a million different calculations to get to that putt but I mean hey if the ball goes in the hole it really does not matter I mean yeah. it really it really You're doesn't wrong. matter and he can do it and he, he was I mean he was doing it from I, I, even some of just his lagging too I mean he He's been able to do a lot of impressive things on the on the putting greens. And so once again, don't want to take anything away from him. But um but I, I have Brooks finishing higher than DeShambeau in my picks this week for sure. I
0: I would a hundred percent agree with you on that one. I, I think that is that feels very, very safe this week.
1: So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. We'll have to talk about some side bets later on. Uh, you you know where to find me, bud. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um
0: well, I mean I think that pretty well covers most everything. We've we've covered covered all that we needed to do tonight. So um, you know, we'll see if any of our any of our picks here can can bring it home uh for us. Hopefully one of us hits. Joe hit hit last week or the last uh tournament on, on ROM. He picked the he picked chalk, but hey, you still won. So we'll see if we can get one of these one of these picks for us to hit here. So just to, to recap for you guys of, of names that we think have a really good shot of winning this week. We've got Brooks, we've got Xander, Thomas, um Rory. Uh we've got Fitzy, and we have uh some some maybe longer shot guys of looking like a Lee Westwood. Rombo. Rom- well, Rombo's at the top. You're you're going with chalk there, Rombo.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah Alter- I'm going
0: with chalk, but that's okay. And pulled her way on down there. So that, that's roughly who we think are our best chances to go this week. Um best chance to pull home. I know that feels like a lot, but a lot of names. But hey, you know what? You got it, we got three people. We can spread it around here. We can spread the love.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I appreciate you and Joe for uh for allowing me to to be featured on this podcast. I've been listening to you guys ever since you started, and uh it's it's been truly an honor. I hope to uh hope to be able to do it again. It's much appreciated. We love having you on. And,
0: uh, I, I don't think this will be the last one. Trust me with, uh, I know that you've got your college, you love college football as much as we do. So we might have to bring you on in a preview and, uh, obviously we've got a whole lot of brace talk to, to go with you going forward.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I hope that, uh, we're having more conversations in the future about making a push to the playoffs. I, ho- I hope that some, some way the brace can, uh, didn't find a way to do it. I know that's going to take a lot this year, but hey, only four games back, so anything can happen. There's a lot of baseball left to be played. Amen to that, and I think that's a that's a really good optimistic
0: tone to to finish this one on. So we'll let everyone get on out of here. We ask you guys to continue to like like rate review subscribe. We appreciate it. It helps get the get the word out to everybody else. Um, Sam, we hope that you uh, you share this out on your social media. Get this out to your friends and family and. Uh, we keep building this, uh, we we keep building this following that we got going.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks again, Kylie. All right, everyone. Well, everyone have a, a
0: great rest of your day.